Migrant families waiting in Tijuana now have a new fear, someone taking their children as a means to cross the border. According to Tijuana law enforcement, shelter directors, and migrants, some have offered to purchase children as a means to improve their chances of crossing safely. Despite current policies of family separation and those separated children being housed in questionable conditions, the belief that having a child gives one a better shot at getting through to the U.S. remains strong. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Wendy Fry, you're part of our border team at the Union Tribune. And in today's paper, you had a rather shocking story about how some migrants are offering to buy children in order to have a better chance of getting into the United States. When you explain, how did you find this story in the first place? Right. And just a horrific story to think about. I can't even imagine buying and selling children. But it's something that actually the U.S. government has been saying, Department of Homeland Security and HSI has been alluding to that in their investigations, in investigating families that they think might be fraudulent families that show up at the U.S. border, they have been concerned that people are, we've heard uh, the former uh, Secretary uh, Nielsen say that they're recycling kids, and they have said that there's concern that they might be exchanging some kind of money to have these children. Now, uh, there was a lot of criticism about that. Critics said that this was kind of the the government was overblowing that problem Mm -hmm. to justify separating families at the border. But this is the first example that we've heard, a very solid example of it happening in a specific shelter in Tijuana. And let's step back a little bit. Why would a migrant resort to this? What are the kind of forces that would cause someone to make that choice of offering money to buy a child to cross? Right. I mean, the the pastor that runs the shelter where this has been going on has said it's just obviously out of just sheer desperation. And um, he said that it's because of the border policies, um, the the stricter policies that, in his words, have completely shut down the border for people trying to claim asylum. And he said those are the forces that are, are, are driving people to these acts of, of of desperation. And I mean, migration has always, always been something, you know, people don't leave their home and their family and their culture and their country, usually by, by choice. It's something that they're driven to by sheer desperation, usually. And the reason why that these individuals may be seeking a child if they don't have one to cross is because of an agreement with the U.S. called the Flores Settlement. Why don't you explain what is that and why would it, this cause this to happen? Right. And so in the in the Flores settlement, there's a lot of different um, aspects that, that, that tell the U.S. government how to treat children at the U.S. border. And this is just one of those aspects. Um, one of the, one of the items um, is that that children should should only be detained for a very short time because they're children. You know, mm-hmm. they should they don't belong in in jails and detention centers like we've seen them in for lengthier periods of time. And so it's something that some people say migrants are using as a loophole sort of that they see it's easier to enter the country with a child because then you're sort of guaranteed that you're only going to be detained for these few days because that's what the Flores Settlement says. whether that's happening in practice, we have heard stories of children being detained for much longer now, months at a time, all families being detained for much longer, months at a time. But that is the the legal basis for this. 
And also, the national conversation about migration has changed a lot in the past couple weeks with the report coming from the Associated Press of showing rather terrible conditions of children who aren't allowed to brush their teeth, they're in cramped locations, they're being described as cages. Are those images and are those narratives getting across to shelters in Tijuana, or is there a disconnect between what we're seeing with our media and with individuals who are trying to get to the U.S.? That's a great question. I haven't asked too many migrants if they if they've seen the conditions that children are being held in um, in the United States. But but part of that is because the conditions that they're in in Mexico are are also very troubling. Yes. There's not a lot of um, funding or resources from the Mexican government to these nonprofits that run the shelters and the shelters are just overwhelmed overcrowded. There's also the problems with lice and and um, scabies and, and no tooth, toothbrushes and all sorts of not enough food, really. You know, mm-hmm. it's a very, very concerning situation on the U.S.-Mexico border on the Mexican side as well. It's functionally so, like a massive homeless shelter. Uh, yes. And um, however, these people are extremely, ex- extremely desperate right now and overwhelmed. And in many cases, they're afraid of of the forces that they're fleeing as well. And uh, you mentioned earlier that this isn't the first time that you've heard the cases of individuals purchasing or taking children for their own chance to get to the U.S. Why don't you explain that story that you wrote uh, nearly a year ago? Right, right, right. So I I, um, asked a woman in a shelter in April of last year why, why she left Guerrero. And she was a single mom. And she told me, oh, because they're robbing babies. And at first I thought I thought she meant they're robbing from babies, like they're uh-huh. stealing, you know, stealing candy from a baby or something. And I had to listen to her again. And she said, no, they're robbing babies. And we were talking in the context of cartels and violence. And that's what that's one of the reasons that we're forcing people out of there. And I, I just I, I couldn't understand, OK, what would a cartel want with a baby, you know? Um, but now now that I've heard it that way, I also heard from a teenage mother not too long ago, a, a teenage teenager that I did write about and she was pregnant and she was telling me that some of some of these criminal element groups were texting her kind of trying to convince her to give them her baby once it was born. Of course she was appalled and so this isn't the first time we've heard things like that but I think this is the first time that the connection has been made that they might be using these these children to to try to pose as a family with them. And of course the huge concern is okay what happens when they get to the other side what are, do they care for these children like they're the family or do they leave them somewhere? Do they try to connect them with their actual family? Or what happens to them after if they do make it into the U.S. and they are not apprehended? Mm-hmm. There are so many legal and social questions that remain after that. Right, right. And also, we know the Mexican side is rather overwhelmed when it comes to these migrants. That's right. Is there anything that is being done in Tijuana to prevent this sale of children? Yes. The the police, the municipal police and the federal police, they're taking this very, very ser- seriously and they're investigating um, not just the people that are desperate and coming up and asking for the children, but like if there's sort of a criminal group behind it, because it's not clear right now if the people that are offering the money um, are the ones that are actually going to be trying to cross with the baby or if they're trying to get children to provide to other migrants to cross. So they are taking it very seriously and investigating it. The shelter is also taking extreme precautions to protect the children and have them unsupervised at any time. So we're seeing, at least on our side, a increased amount of scrutiny as to how we're handling 
migrants. It's it's hard to say if things are going to change, but at least the scrutiny is, is increasing. Are those narratives and are those messages getting across at all um, to the migrants? Because as you have described previously on other podcasts, there's a different kind of communicative realm over there mm-hmm. in which WhatsApp and word of mouth and, you know, it, it's, it's all right. very loose. But are any of these messages getting across to that kind of psyche? Right. I, and that's an interesting question. They do. You, I do know that they pay attention to the news and they do see the the big news stories that come out of the U.S. They definitely pay attention to that. But in terms of um, if they know specifically um, the, the, the rhetoric that kind of happens on this side, the political rhetoric. Mm-hmm. That I mean, it just doesn't concern them. They're 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 worried about surviving. They're worried about where their next meal is going to come from. Um, you know, if their family member on the other side is okay, uh, and and so it, they don't get into the the Democrat versus the Republican yeah. kind of way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody just sort of wishes that that there was a way to to find a solution to to, to some of these problems. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, there's been lots of talk about the image that we saw earlier this week of a father and a daughter that drowned while trying to cross the Rio Grande. Has that image been circulating in the migrant camps as well? Actually, it, it, it broke first in, in, in the Mexican media. So I saw it a day earlier than everybody else here. And, and, and the, in, in, in Mexico, um, the images are, are – they're more apt to share images like that than they are over here in the mm-hmm. United States. So, um, you know, crime scenes are – pictured usually a little bit more gruesome you see everything and they they tend to show bodies um in their journalism in their news coverage and so um there wasn't the outcry or the the debate over whether or not the photo should have been used um but but there is a, a huge outpouring of just heartbreak to see something like that happen and especially you know everybody sort of identifies all the migrants sort of identify with that struggle, that that risk. They know they're risking their life to try to get to a better life. They know that that's what they're doing. And so they all have this heartbreak um, feeling for that family. And there's actually there's a visual that they're having on um, Saturday night at seven mm-hmm. at Playas, at Las Playas de Tijuana. Mm-hmm. So if people want to check that out. All right. And finally, as someone who is reporting on both sides of the border, uh, what do you have to say about the current state of things in Tijuana, where there is that bottleneck of migrants? What is the current state right now? It's pretty disorganized right now, to be honest. Um, The shelter directors just had a meeting last week trying to convince the state and federal government to sort of come up with some protocols, come up with some organization to to help them. Um, There's no resources that that, that there's sort of a legal um, barrier to providing resources or money or funding to these shelters. And of course, these shelters are being asked to deal with a federal policy that's been made by um, their their Mexican president, Lopez Abador. And so everyone's struggling, even the even the shelter pastors, they like go work double shifts before they come back to the shelter so that they can have more money to provide more food for the people um, because they don't want to turn people away. Their mm-hmm. church or their, it's a faith-based um, service. And so they don't want to turn people away, but everybody's just kind of scrambling to, to deal with the overwhelming need. All right, Wendy Fry, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Here's what else happened at the border this week. On Monday, the acting chief of the Border Patrol resigned after reports of more than 300 children being held with insufficient food and water. 
Tuesday, the House passed a $4.5 billion emergency border aid bill, which contained provisions to improve the treatment of children. The Senate version does not include those provisions, however. The news that children were not given toothbrushes and soap led to a political outcry that lasted all week. Democratic presidential candidates seized on that moment, bringing it up in two nights of debates. And earlier this morning, five of those candidates visited a detention center for children in Florida. And finally today, Homeland Security expects border apprehensions to fall by 25% this coming month, thanks in part to Mexican efforts. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Our border editor is Mark Platt, our creative director is Beto Alvarez, and our digital editor is Ricky Young. This podcast comes together with support from our creative studio and reporters throughout the newsroom. You can support our journalism by signing up for any or all of our print and digital products at uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.